Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Wednesday, June 15th, 2022, and I'm your host, George Kurth, joined by Cody Roadcap. Cody, how you doing on this fine June Wednesday? I'm doing good, George, and welcome back. Thank you. I mean, they only half missed me last week. I was still able to join for the running back rankings, but you and Tyler covered the news amazingly. And Tyler will also be with us later to cover the running back ranking 16 to 30. So make sure you stay tuned for that, as well as we are going to hit NFL news today. And you can find running back rankings one to, I believe it's 60 on the couchgms.com. So make sure you go over to our website and check that out and check out our social media channels. Drop a follow or a like. Cody, why don't we just jump right into NFL news? Starting off here, NFL news with some contract negotiation updates. Wide receivers are getting moved. They're getting paid this offseason. And this week, we just found even more. Starting it off with the LA Rams and Cooper Cup. He gets the money he deserves after last year's amazing potential MVP performance. Three years, up to $80 million. I mean, this is one we kind of saw coming. If he would have played again on that old contract, it just shows that he is a team player, but he deserves the contract extension. He is locked up in L.A. for years to come. Yeah, he definitely is. Definitely deserve the the contract, like you mentioned. This one is a little bit interesting on how it's worked. It's very hard to get his actual year per or his average annual per year to see where he ranks amongst the other ones, but it is the most guaranteed of any offensive non-quarterback player of all time. So definitely worthy of the contract might not have the highest total, but it has the most guarantees. And that's what the players typically care about the most. Definitely. And the Rams are dishing out a lot of money because you guys talked about Aaron Donald's contract extension last week. So they're locking up that quarter, make another run. And then the, another team out West, the Vegas Raiders are, extending Hunter Renfro for two years, $32 million. So now the number two to Devontae Adams gets a little bit of a payday and they're going to lock up hoping that this group and Derek Carr can push for a title. Yeah. I, I have a question about Derek Carr that I'll come back to that I heard uh, this okay. past week, but I want to speak about Hunter Renfro real quick. Um, I know it's, he's just seems to always be that guy that we're like, nobody really believes in or, how can he be that good? But even if you terms of fantasy, he was top five, the second half of last season, like he bought out, he put up numbers. Now he gets a guy like Devonte Adams across the field from him. Like the Raiders are doing as much as they can. I know they're in a very tough division with the chiefs, the Broncos, the chargers and themselves. So it'll be a lot to watch and see unfold. But like this Raiders team is loading up. They already paid Devonte. They made the big trade. They're now getting Cooper Cup, or not Cooper Cup, he's in the Rams, Hunter Renfro, uh, but I do like what the Raiders are doing. I like what the Raiders are doing, too. Um, I'm kind of interested in what you're going to ask about Derek Carr, but first off, Renfro was somebody that you had to talk me into last season. I'm not sure if I love him quite as much not being the number one, as much as it is nice that he's not going to be facing as much double coverage in that offense. Um he should still be a very effective wide receiver. I'm just very confused on where to rank him. We're going to have to see how he falls in our rankings next week when we start wide receivers. little teaser there. That's a great point. I'm going to have to think about where I have Hunter Renfro. But I'll go to my Derek Carr question. I saw this on Twitter. Um, and actually, it made me think a little bit. But it is Derek Carr, West Coast Matt Ryan? Ooh, that's that's a good one. 
Um, I mean, I'm so used to just calling Derek Carr Mr. Mediocre. Like he is the bench. He's always been that benchmark line of if your quarterback's better than Derek Carr, he's above average. If he's worse, he's below. Matt Ryan, I guess, is kind of about at that same line. So, yeah, I, I think that's a very good comparison. I'll say, yes, he is West Coast Matt Ryan. He's just a couple years younger. Yeah, I was getting that vibe, too, because Derek Carr, uh, he was second last year in passing yards. Like, he's put up numbers. You know, he was borderline MVP a few years ago before he hurt his back and ruined the Raiders' chances in the playoffs. Uh, so he, he's he's consistently solid. Like, he's not spectacular, mm-hmm. but he's consistently solid, and I think that really compares well to Matt Ryan, uh, like you mentioned, a few years younger. Uh, but, you know, two wide receivers got contract extensions. One guy in particular is waiting for his contract extension, and that is wide receiver Terry McLaurin, who is not attending the Commander's minicamp. Do you expect a deal to get done with McLaurin this season? Do you think he's going to have to play out his last year of a deal? Do you think there'll be the surprise training camp trade for McLaurin? What are your thoughts? I think the chances of a trade are becoming less and less as the um, offseason goes on because teams are going to want some of these established players to get reps in mini camps, be there for the beginning of training camp at least, um, if they are going to trade for them. So I don't know if a trade is going to happen at this point, but there's a chance if it happens soon. I think though the chances of him playing on his rookie deal for one more season is very low. I think it's either going to be, you're going to see a trade happen very soon, or he is going to get that contract extension. If I had to bet, he's going to get a contract extension here. They're going to have him play this year with Carson Wentz, try to get him into camp soon to get rapport with Carson Wentz as well. And if it doesn't seem to work out, the commanders could just blow it up, send him off in one of the rare mid season trades or after the season, next off season, he could be, traded to somewhere else and maybe Carson Wentz would be gone too because we're talking about even though they just traded for him it's kind of a one-year show and we'll see if it works out for him there in Washington yeah I like how you connected it back to to Carson Wentz there and I I do think they'll eventually get contract extensions done with him Uh, but you know we've seen young receivers we saw AJ Brown get moved we you know DK we talked about last week he's not happy he didn't go to minicamp Uh, So there's definitely some names and we're seeing the crazy money that wide receivers are getting. I mean, even we just talked about Hunter Renfro, a guy who, you know, is a solid number two. He has had some number ones, but, you know, he's getting 16 plus a year. Terry McLaurin is a young star. I mean, he, his rookie year was phenomenal. He's, he had his up and down dealt with a little bit of injuries, but there's also the inconsistency at quarterback there. So I definitely think he'll get paid. Um, But I do like the idea if he doesn't get paid, the midseason trade. So we'll just have to follow that situation a little bit closer. But just really quick about money before we move on. Like it seems like 16 mil for a number two wide receivers a lot right now, but not only is the price tag for a wide receiver going up, the salary cap next year should boom, even though it's already gone up a decent amount. So like teams that are signing wide receivers now are taking a big chunk of the cap towards that right now. But next year, all that extra money that opens up, they're going to be glad that they jumped ahead of the curve to get these deals done now, as opposed to waiting when not only will those receivers get paid probably even more, but it's, you know, they're just taking one year of that cap off now and they'll have more cap flexibility later. I mean, exactly. I mean, if you've looked at some of these contracts, even, you know, Cooper cups deal, his cap number went down this year and it's going to really, it's going to like triple next year when they're expecting the contract season. I mean, that's how a lot of them are, 
the raise. That's the yep. manipulation of the salary cap that that you can get into, and that's why some people are out there. Salary caps myth. Well, it's it's not a myth. It can just be manipulated pretty heavily. It can be pushed um, down the road, and eventually you have to deal with it. Right. It always comes due, but how long you push it out is up to the team, and how long they want to mm-hmm. keep digging themselves into a bigger hole. Um, but you know, staying in the NFC East, we have some nuggets coming out of uh, the Cowboys OTAs and mini camps. Um, first off, Mike McCarthy hints at Dak Prescott running more now that he's a little bit healthier. You know, every time I think of that, I think you know, think of the he slid a little too late trying to get that game in at the end of the when they played the Forty Niners <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah, and then and then the other news, which is pretty interesting, and um. Tony Pollard, who some of us are higher on, I think we does get mentioned a little bit later in our rankings episode as well, but he's exploring some options at wide receiver and playing a little bit of slot options, you know, filling in some of the roles of that missing Amari Cooper. I know they, they're on contract talk still with Dalton Schultz after they franchise tagged him, but another pass catching option, another guy that they seem to really like, and he's explosive when he gets the ball in his hands. I'll hit a little bit on both of these. I mean, Dak Prescott running more. We're obviously not going to know too much about that until we get into the season. Even if he plays in the preseason, which most starting quarterbacks don't, they're not going to run him in the preseason. They're not going to risk that. But that could be a little bit of a boost to Dak Prescott, who already seems to throw for a lot of yards in that offense. They already they already put up a lot of points. Fantasy wise, Dak might get a bit of a boost. I wouldn't read too much into it as it's just a little, you know, mentioned in a press conference, but could make him a little bit more of a sleeper tony pollard i want to take this one back to our conversation a few weeks back on dalvin cook because dalvin cook was also someone taking reps at wide receiver in a mini camp and i think it's a lot more that they're trying to get these running backs better with their hands get them used to running routes and catching passes more than they're actually going to line up at a wide receiver position consistently in an offense in the regular season tony pollard might more than like a dalvin cook because he is a backup running back but I think you're more likely to see him still come in and spell as a third down back, get some pass catches out of the backfield, kind of work more in that role than actually being a wide receiver. It's still important to note that the Cowboys want to get work on his hands and be, make him become more of a pass catcher. But the whole wide receiver tag is probably a little bit misleading. I can understand that. I, I think, you know, if you break that down a little bit more, while I do think it's not straight apples to apples with Dalvin cook. Like you mentioned, cause one is the starter, the bell cow one is more of a backup. They still have Ezekiel Elliott who they're paying over $18 million this year. So <laughs> that's still going to be their guy. Um, but I would not be surprised if they start running a lot of two running back sets, a lot of pony personnel, and then he splits out into the slot or he splits out wide and he gets a linebacker on him and makes it causes a mismatch. Uh, so I think there's a lot of value in, in that position, but I do think, you know, this isn't the Cordero Patterson who we knew as a wide receiver that he transformed into a running back. I don't think we're going to, you know, be pounding the table for NFL or ESPN or Yahoo to update, you know, Tony Pollard to have both wide receiver and running back designations. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit more two running back sets. He, he gets split out a little bit more, whether that means, you know, two extra targets a game. If that, like, that's what we're, we're talking about, but it is definitely something to keep an eye on and could raise his value a lot more than just, like, the number one handcuff. Yeah, I mean, he was already starting to push having a little bit of flex value last year at times. This year, it could even be more of that situation where, like, you see a two 
startable running back backfield, which might be bad news for Ezekiel Elliott, might be good news for Tony Pollard, might be bad news for both. We're not really sure, but we'll find out how the Cowboys start to shake things up as we get more into training camp. Another running back in the news is Chris Carson. I know we have not heard much about him this offseason. Seattle's back seem to just be Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny at this point. But Chris Carson is still going through medical protocols to try to come back from his neck injury. I actually saw an update on Twitter about last week that showed some pretty sick neck gear he had in that was to help with some kind of herniated disc problem that he ended up with. Um, It does not look good in my opinion, but I'm not a doctor. Um, He's going to be facing an important medical hurdle soon. That's all we really know. And he, in a press conference, said that he finds himself playing until I feel like stopping. So that's spoken like a guy who's pretty confident that he's going to be able to come back from this and still get on the field in some capacity, which could really shake up the Seahawks running back room if that is this year. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect. You know, I hope Chris Carson, a full recovery. I hope he gets back on the field. He was fun to watch. You know, he's a great NFL player. Uh, but in terms of strictly fantasy, like I, I am not worried about Chris Carson coming back at all until it happens. It doesn't, I'm not, doesn't affect, like he's not playing into the, you know, where I have Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker because I don't see Chris Carson playing. If he ends up doing, that's a pleasant surprise. And like I said, I'm, I'm rooting for that. Uh, but those next injuries are pretty serious, especially in positions like the running back where you're, you're taking a lot of hits. You know, some people be like, well, Peyton Manning came back. Well, yeah, he would get sacked, but he wasn't getting a hit every time that he touched the ball. So Chris Carson, unfortunately, until further, further notice, is out of my mind in terms of fantasy. And finally, keeping it with the running back news, we have a quick free agent update, and that is Kansas City is bringing back running back Jarek McKinnon. Really kind of important news is he's now the number two since they lost Daryl Williams, like, what, last week or two weeks ago? So... Yeah, probably not super important for fantasy, but a name to keep an eye on if Clyde Edwards-Alaire continues to struggle or gets injured this season. He was fairly effective down the stretch. So, yeah. Cody, what do you think? Well, I think he's actually the number three. I think it makes this a little bit more confusing because they also brought in Ronald Jones earlier this season. Oh, yeah, they did. Which I understand why that slipped your mind because... Because no one thought of running back to the Chiefs. is a mess (laughs) and... uh, I hate to play spoiler, but there's a reason that none of the Chiefs backfield made it in the top 30 of the two parts. And uh, this addition doesn't help either of their cases making it into the top 30. Yeah, my bad on forgetting Ronald Jones. And it's more probably because they're not good at running the ball and they don't run the ball a lot. So once Ronald Jones went there, it's like, well, that's a waste, which kind of stinks. He was effective at times, but I guess we have a little bit more news to hit here. We have to give a Deshaun Watson update because two more cases were filed against Deshaun Watson, now putting him up to 26. Not much else to say other than that. Just it's an even more sticky situation now, and we're hopefully going to get updates before the season starts. Even if he's cleared legally, the NFL still is most likely going to take action. It's just looking like it could be worse and worse. Yeah, and there's a lot more information out there, and honestly, we're not the best outlet for it, so we're not going to try to regurgitate it for you. Um, we're just, you know, the headline is they're now up to 26 cases. I know the New York Times put out some pretty damaging uh, insight over the last week or so, um, so if you're interested in that case, go check it out. But as always, like, 
our stance is we just want the truth to come out you know mm -hmm. it if there are victims like he needs to be punished and that's pretty much all we have to say on deshaun watson aspect of it but uh you know on a little bit more of a positive you know light uh richard sherman i wish snyder was here because i feel like snyder is like not a huge <laughs> richard sherman fan which i've never understood why it's one of it's literally the, probably the thing that we argue about the most uh when it comes to football snyder and i uh but he hasn't found a team to join uh this fall on the football field but he still will be a part of it as he is joining the amazon thursday night football broadcasting team it hasn't been this news is kind of breaking as we started recording it hasn't you know come out what his exact role will will it be like a drew Brees? you know what he did for nbc at, and drew Brees, drew Brees is out of nbc it, it appears it doesn't seem mm -hmm. like he's gonna get a second stint uh with nbc will he do some pregame stuff will he be you know like uh, on the field you know will they bring a third person into the booth for some things will they you know almost like a Mike Pereira, but they also have like an inside football guy. Like that might be interesting, like a toss to yeah. like an X's and O's type of guy. Will they do like their own simulcast similar to the mini cast? A lot to be seen. I know Amazon is putting a lot into this Thursday night package. They've gotten some good games, uh, but it's great to see Richard Sherman joining. Uh, and he, he did want to put out there that like, this doesn't say he's retiring. Like if the right opportunity arises, like he has the ability in his TV contract to go back to playing football. So no matter what Richard Sherman will be on or around football this fall, George, what is your thoughts on Sherman joining TNF? Well, first off, I'm going to say it's really interesting with all these players that are like signing these futures contracts with TV. We saw Tom Brady do it. I mean, I'm sure if Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't want to retire, but he did announce he was fully retiring, he would probably be doing the same thing because he's expected to be in a booth somewhere this next fall. Richard Sherman now is in a situation where he can sign an NFL contract or he can go to the booth. It's it's interesting to see how the landscape of TV is changing as to this whole like futures contract deal. But it, he's a very, very smart guy. We know that. I mean, he has a little bit of a controversial past, more with like the media, just like after the game with the whole Michael Crabtree situation, which I think is a big reason why Tyler doesn't like him. Just to give a little background, if anyone doesn't know that, that's listening in. But He's a smart guy. He's going to be a great asset to the Amazon team. And I really like what Amazon is putting together, trying to get guys who are smart in the football world, who are established in the football world, even like Al Michaels is their lead commentator in the booth. Kirk Herbstreet's with him. That's a good group. And they're really trying to put some things into the Thursday night package that have not been in the Thursday night package before, or maybe not in most broadcasts before it seems so. Yeah, there's a chance that he is a third guy in the booth as an X's nose. He's a sideline reporter, which is a little like acting a little different than your traditional sideline reporter. That's possible. I think that I'm really interested to see what they put together because they could change the landscape of football in the media if they put something together that's really interesting and try to revive the Thursday night football package because a lot of people and teams don't like it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth mentioning it's also worth mentioning that all the details about his role could fully come out by the time this podcast launches because <laughs> uh, we're probably well about 12 hours before it launches so unfortunately we might uh you know miss the mark on some things we're predicting but that's the fun part about it uh with the last bit of news is probably the most couch gms news of all and that is the nfl has a new official pizza sponsor 
It's not Papa John's. It's not Domino's. It's not Pizza Hut. It's the hot and ready Little Caesars. And one, I'm surprised. I, I, I know I saw on Twitter people were like, I didn't even know P- Little Caesars sold enough pizza to become the sponsor of the NFL. Uh, but Little Caesars now owns is now the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the naming rights of the stadium where the Detroit Pistons and Red Wings play. So Little Caesars, a little powerhouse in the pizza industry. They're on the way up. Man, I am excited that we got to get some pizza news in. Honestly, it's not really that important in the scope of anything, but I'm very interested that it is a smaller pizza, you know, company in the pizza industry that's getting this contract and it's not going back to Pizza Hut or even a Domino's. It was a little bit out of left field for me, but now you can get your hot and ready pizza on your way to your friend's house and it has the NFL logo on the box as you set it down and watch your NFL games, whether it, whatever it might be. So uh, football, football. Cody, Whoa. I think that's enough news. Well, hang <laughs> oh, on. Go ahead. I got I got to get my little If you're going to get little Caesars on your way to the, like don't get the hot and ready. Like the $5 pizza, it's probably like $6 now because of inflation. That pizza sucks. <laughs> you got to get with you got to go with the deep dish. You got to go with the the stuffed crust. And if they have the limited time option with the pretzel crust with the nacho cheese, like that is like by far like that's a top 3 pizza of all time. Like I can understand why they're getting it if they only talk about their pretzel crust pizza, but as you can tell, talking way too much pizza for this, I cut to our job. So why don't we get in to our running back rankings, 16 through 30. And yes, we are back here with our running back rankings. Today we're going 16 to 30. If you missed 1 to 15, make sure you check out last week's episode. We broke them down. Very deeply, actually. It was a little bit of a long episode, but this is just as important in your draft as the first 15 running backs. So make sure you're staying here tuned. I can jump us right into number 16, and that's Baltimore Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins. So we were very high on Dobbins going into last year. Obviously, he had the ACL injury in the preseason, never made it to the regular season. Cody and I did a mock draft back uh, during Pro Bowl week, and we had him very high. We've obviously come back down to earth because we know that Baltimore's offense, not only did they focus more on the passing game, a lot of their running, you know, running attempts go to Lamar Jackson. There is still a chance of a committee in Baltimore, but obviously the most explosive back there is JK Dobbins. He will get most of the carries and he actually still does have a chance to beat that this number 16 ranking. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's upside. You're talking about a guy that was a top two or three round draft pick just last year and now you know he should be relatively the same value but you can get him at pick as our 16th running back you're talking about you know mid to late rounds at this point so this is definitely a steal at this point in the draft is it a risk uh, coming off an ACL injury of course is it a risk taking a running back in the Baltimore system of course but I think this guy is a risk worth taking so at this point in the draft I don't think you can do wrong with uh, J.K. Dobbins. No, I still really like J.K. Dobbins. I think he's a little bit low on for me because I think there's still some question marks revolving his ACL injury. He, the guy that tore it in last training camp, you know, there are some rumors that he might have to start the season on PUP, which is definitely concerning in the time frame that an ACL normally takes now. Um, maybe my rankings also might be skewed a little bit because we have a Madden League, the three of us and a few other friends, and I have the Baltimore Ravens based on random draw. And I literally can't run to save my life with J.K. Dobbins because he only has like 91 speed. I think they need to upgrade that in Madden 23. Um, but 
and fix the read option a- aspect of it. But the, it's a run first offense. Yes, I know Lamar takes a lot of points or a lot of carries, attempts. He'll steal some touchdowns. Uh, but I still think it is a solid value down here at 16. Yeah. All right. So that brings us on to our next guy, which is, you know, we talked about playoff Lenny. We talked about regular season Lenny. And now we're talking about pick 17, Leonard Fournette. So uh, Leonard Fournette is our 17th ranked running back. I have him at 17. George is a little lower on him on 19. But Cody, you're the one I want to talk to. You got him ranked the highest. Uh, why you got him at 14? Yeah, I mean, we saw what he did last year. You know, it took like two weeks for Ronald Jones to get hurt. Tom Brady is back. He, you know, had the most targets and receptions of his career last year. He was a big part of that offense. And I think Tom Brady and him found something. That's why he, you know, he went back there. He's going to see a lot of what we got last year. Yes, they've added some. They added a rookie this year. Might eat in some, some carries later in the season, but I can't think we I don't think we can underestimate how valuable Leonard Fournette was in fantasy. I know he we're definitely not getting him in the last round of our draft like somebody on this podcast did, not myself or George. Um that ended up being a steal. He's definitely, you know, valued a little bit higher. We're not worried about someone else. Um so I think he'd be a solid option especially, you know, if you listen to last week's show, you know, we debated a little bit no running back strategy versus taking running backs early. If I could get, you know, two or three solid running wide receivers and know I'm going to get a guy like Leonard Fournette down here late as a part of the no running back strategy, it'd make me more interested in doing it. Man, I was like, I did my rankings and I was like, I'm comfortable with where I have Leonard Fournette here. I That's, that's about where I value him compared to the guys around him. And then I come over to our consensus rankings, put it in. I'm like, why do I seem so low on him? And now I'm racking my brain like, what is it? And it's hard for me to pinpoint anything because, like you said, they did have Ronald Jones before. They don't now. They still have a rookie and Giovanni Bernard there that's going to take a couple of carries. But it, I I just don't know if I trust him enough. He's had one healthy season his entire career. It was last year. Um, I know he's on a high-powered offense. The running backs aren't even going to be the focal point, which probably works in his favor. But there's just something about me that's a little concerned that he can repeat last year because he hasn't done it before last year. And if he does, I think a lot of credit to Tom Brady and the wide receivers for taking pressure off of the run game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just also real quick, uh, he was third among running backs in receptions last year. I think that's a big portion of why I have him so high. It's 69 nice receptions last season. So if he, you know, especially in the half point point, half point formats half or full point PPR he'd probably be even a little bit higher because what we've seen for him you know Leonard Fournette is not the same receiving back but he we saw him become the James White for Tom Brady last year if he can repeat that again be that safety dump we're not 100% sure that Robert Gronkowski is gonna be back this season we all are expecting it at this point but we don't know for sure Fournette would be that safety blanket pass option that would be available on most passing routes so I think there is a lot of value there, George. I think you're a little bit crazy having them that low, but another thing we'll have to agree to disagree on. Um, another interesting name would be running back 18, who I think is like two years removed from being like a top three running back. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, that is Saquon Barkley, who on the rare occasion, we all have ranked at number 18. Uh, Snyder, I know you had some thoughts on this one, so I'd love to hear. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts on this guy is you know, we still look at potential and yes, uh, you're going to go into this draft knowing that Saquon 
has that potential to be a league winner because of his name. But this is where the fantasy PSA comes into effect. Uh, don't draft based off of name. Uh, that is a big issue with people in drafts. You see this guy, you know, oh, I remember he used to be good. I got to draft him up here. He might not be there anymore. And Saquon Barkley is not a top three running back anymore. Uh, he has not been able to stay on the field. And honestly, in recent seasons, even when he is on the field, he's been underwhelming. Uh, you have, you can say that, you know, it's Daniel Jones. They didn't want to cover the pass game, but it, it's not even that. It's not even the amount of people in the box. Uh, they had plays where they covered tons of wide receivers on the field and Saquon still couldn't get it done. Uh, and, you know, health really is a big concern. I know you say, you sh- I say that you shouldn't draft just based off of injury, but when a guy literally has never stayed healthy, it's hard not to. So I think Saquon is a big reward, but he is a huge risk. And, you know, it, it definitely depends on the strategy you're going. If you already took two running backs, you got two receivers, you like them a lot. Saquon Barkley is a number three with that potential gorgeous pick if you went with the no running back theory I don't know if I would take Saquon here I know it sounds like hey this is a beautiful pick if you went no running back and get Saquon Barkley as your number one if I'm going no running back I don't want this risky of a play as my number one I want someone that I can at least trust will be on the field um like a playoff Lenny would be a great pick for a no running back theory um or either the next two guys I would take over him possibly in that theory as well. So you got to base it off of what you've already drafted. If you're ever confused, hit us up, but don't draft off a name. Yeah, that's about all I could say too. I want to reference back to last week's show also, where you talked about we draft Christian McCaffrey so high and we haven't, we're so high on Christian McCaffrey because of one season. Honestly, if you think about it, Saquon Barkley was the same way. And this is the first year where he's finally dropped in our rankings. And it was weird, too, because he was so bad last year that we thought he missed a ton of games for injury. He still played 14 games. I mean, with how he produced, it felt like he played three. But that's just insane how much he's dropped off. And you say that they did, you know, still have favorable boxes for him to run in everything. But that offense is just atrocious. Until they get another quarterback in there or put more, I don't even want to say put more wide receivers around because there's decent wide receivers in that offense. He's not going to be effective. So 18 is a good spot because you know upside, but it, I, you honestly could still expect him to not produce like to a running back 18 value. It's such a risk. It's hard to find where to pinpoint him. And it's so strange that we're like, this is going to be such a great talking point, And we all happen to hit exactly the same spot on him. Don't understand how we did that. <laughs> fate because that's where he's at but i'm just going to circle you know bounce off of your christian mccaffrey comparison i mentioned it last week too when even though he missed a lot of games when he was healthy he was still you know putting up those fantasy respectable numbers that in a points per game basis saquon in his 13 games last year 8.3 like that's not what you want from like that's a borderline flex player and i think having him 18 you know he would still be he that's actually probably high for a borderline flex player, someone that would be an RB2 on most teams based on how our rankings are going. So um, 13 games a lot, There was, but they did upgrade the offensive line this year in the draft. They did get a new head coach. Ironically, it's Brian Dayball, who we saw what he did in Buffalo, like anti-run. Uh, so we'll see how much he brings, the you know, can help revitalize that running back game. He does have the upside 
because of what we saw his rookie season, but that would be, you know, that was three seasons ago at this point, four seasons ago. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Another interesting name uh, who I have right behind Saquon Barkley is David Montgomery. He is number 19 on our board, who I have at 19. Tyler has him at 20, and George actually has him at 17. So he's a little bit higher up on him than all of us. So, George, why don't you explain that? I feel like not a lot of love goes to David Montgomery, but this guy has now potentially won you two championships in a row if you had him in the right situation. He's been so good at just putting up monster numbers down the stretch lately, and he stays fairly healthy, too. Now, I mean, he's down at 17 because, you know, he's not the highest upside back. He's not on the greatest offense. There is a lot of question marks when it comes to Justin Fields this year. But if there's one name that I can look at on the offense and say he's going to produce something, it's David Montgomery right now. So that's why I think I had to give him a little bit of love and have him ranked over Saquon Barkley and Leonard Fournette because he's been fairly consistent and he's going to find points and a value of number 19 on our board is actually great for how he's produced the last two years. Yeah. I think David Montgomery, now this might be a hot take. This might be a bold prediction. I don't know. Uh, but I think David Montgomery is going to be one of the most traded running backs in fantasy this year. Uh, here's my reasoning. Hmm. I think David Montgomery is going to be a safe running back, but he's not going to be that sexy running back that you want to start every week. He's going to be a guy that if you have enough running backs on your team, he's probably going to sit your bench most weeks. Um, But if you have buys, if you have injuries, you're going to love to throw him in. He's going to be that guy that you want to trade for because you just need someone to get you consistent points every week. Someone that you can trust is going to get carries, going to get points. Um, But he's also going to be much cheaper than some of these other guys that you see on the board here that are also just consistent point getters. So I feel like David Montgomery is going to be a hot target in trades for that reason. Uh, Running back needy teams that don't want to pay for a big top elite guy are going to go for a safe option like David Montgomery. And you can go worse in a draft than taking Montgomery. Like George said, he's a a safe, consistent guy. He's often on the field. Uh, The big question is going to be Justin Fields. If Justin Fields takes a step forward, Montgomery could also take a big step forward. If Justin Fields doesn't improve, Montgomery's probably not going to improve. So it really depends on your viewpoint of Justin Fields this year. Um, But I think at this point in the draft, he's, he's safe. He's a solid running back. Yeah. I mean, I think he's down here for me because of one, I don't think the bears are going to be very good this year. And that's just not the Packers fan inside of me saying that I think they're (laughs) going to be fighting for a top pick rather than a playoff spot. And then, because of that, if you look back at last season, yeah, you know, Montgomery, he had his two good weeks in week 16 and 17, which he shouldn't be playing the playoffs in week 17 anyways, but he had eight of his 13 games under 10 points last year. So it is a question mark. I could definitely agree with Snyder. Like he'll be that, you know, eight to 12 guy that you can rely on. And if you go no running back strategy, you might need to trade for that at some point in your fourth wide receiver or something along those lines he was he did finish his rb20 last year so i think we're on par of where we think he'll be at nothing great nothing special um but we still have him as an rb2 uh based on this ranking so another solid option but a guy you know i thought i was actually going to be really high on and he was a little bit lower compared to you guys uh but that doesn't mean i don't like him is our running back 20 which is miles sanders the philadelphia eagles running back that only had was it one touchdown or was it no touchdowns last year that's why I thought it was no touchdowns last year. So I expect some touchdowns to come back. Whether or not 
he'll get them or the weird committee system that they like to do. Um, but I think Miles Sanders is one of those guys, even though I'm the lowest on him at, you know, 22 overall, he is a definitely a sneaky, you know, fourth, fifth round running back that I have my eye on. Yeah. I mean, I'm the highest on Miles Sanders here out of the group. Um, I, I think it's an interesting running back because again, it's a very talented running back. It's a guy, you know, has the ability to produce uh, if you throw him in there. But the issue is, I mean, one, he had no touchdowns last year. Maybe he's the Julio Jones of running backs. It's possible. Uh, But at the same time, I think it's just the system that the Eagles run. But I I think that's the hit on him is the Eagles are weird. Uh, None of us say, hey, the Eagles are a top five offensive team. They're going to put up top five offensive stats, top five offensive points. None of us are saying that. But at the same time, we also talk about the Eagles like there's too many mouths to feed. I mean, Jalen Hurts likes to run the ball. Miles Sanders likes to run the ball. You got uh, Dallas Goddard catching passes. Now you got A.J. Brown catching passes. You still got Devontae Smith. There's too many mouths to feed, too many weapons on that offense. Yet we're not talking about them being a top-scoring offense this year. It's a weird situation. And like you said, Cody, the Eagles are really weird with their running backs. It'll be, you know, that last year they annoyed me with – Kenny Gainwell was getting carries all the way up until Miles Sanders got hurt. And then Kenny Gainwell got no more carries, which made zero sense. Uh, but it's the same sense. It's, you know, Miles Sanders is going to run him down the field and then Gainwell is going to get the touchdown. So then you're going to pick up Gainwell like, oh, this is the guy they want to lean on. And then they're going to put in the cashier from Dairy Queen and he's going to start getting some touchdowns. I don't understand the Eagles offense. It's really weird. I mean, I guess it keeps defenses guessing because it's keeping us guessing. But that's the only reason Miles Sanders is this low. His talent should have him in the top 15. uh, But the offense that he's in and the mouths to feed in that offense and the schemes, that is why we have him down here this low. Yes, I mean, the big chance of him having upside is one, we talked about the no touchdowns already that there's got to be touchdowns. He had almost a 1000 yards with no touchdowns. That's not sustainable. Even if you're Julio Jones, the Julio Jones equivalent in running backs, you got to get what three, four. <laughs> but uh, they he did prove when he was healthy at points in the season. The Eagles wanted to not feature him, but give him more carries. That beginning of the season we were talking about with Kenny Gainwell being annoying, that was really bad. But later on in the season, after he had missed his first two-week injury, he came out and got like 20 carries two or three straight games before he got hurt again. Now, the health, obviously a factor, but he proved himself to that coaching staff. He has a chance to get carries. It's just such a question mark that has him down here at 20. The upside is there. We just got to hope it hits. Yeah, that'll be the big question mark. It is interesting if you look back to last year's rankings. Now, granted, some of this is skewed by numbers because I'm just looking at overall finishes for the Eagles running backs. Miles Sanders did finish number one out of the group at 43, then Kenny Gainwell at 45, and Boston Scott at 47. So that's what we're talking about. Counting the cashier from Dairy Queen, Jordan Howard. Like, they they just use every back. (laughs) Yeah, they liked to use their backs right there. And then right in between Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell was Christian McCaffrey with his seven games. So definitely something... (laughs) That was kind of interesting uh, there, but that's probably enough Eagles talk before George like thinks it's an Eagles show and that we can't get him to shut up. So we'll go to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders situation with Josh Jacobs. We have him at 21 overall because I have him at 20, Tyler at 21, and George at 24. Man, Josh Jacobs is just the guy that like when he when he plays, he plays well. 
for the most part. Like he he doesn't do anything special. He gets you know your ten to twelve points, which I think is why you find him at the bottom of RB two rankings. But he's just a guy that I can't ever seem to like bring myself to draft or that I want on my team. Does that resonate with any of you guys? You know, I love it. Does I love Josh Jacobs? I mean, I, I've drafted him in almost every one of my leagues in the past few years because. I can't believe a guy with his talent is falling this far in drafts. Like I get it. He's not a sexy pick, but you're talking about a thousand yard rushing in 2019 over a thousand yards rushing in 2020, 872 yards rushing. Yeah. Not as exciting in 2021. However, he did play fewer games because of injury. Um, And again, like he averaged 13 points per game. His first two seasons averaged 12 points per game last season. Um, like the, he's consistent. Like he's not going to get you the big points. Uh, he might have a week or two where he goes big, but he's going to get you points. And again, at this point in the draft, uh, you have a guy that can get you over 10 points on a weekly basis. Like give me him. I'll take that guy at this point in the draft. I have a number one running back go down and I can slot in somebody that I can guarantee is going to get me 10 points this week. I'm throwing him in. Yeah, I feel like I can almost copy paste exactly what I just said for Miles Sanders onto Josh Jacobs. Now, I know he's not exactly next on my rankings. I think I view Jacobs as a little bit less of an explosive back, but the touchdowns can definitely counteract you know the differences in yards we might see out of Sanders. But it's a very similar situation. I don't really have much more to add on top of what you guys had. I think it's literally just that explosion factor is why I have him. Left. I think Mike concern with Josh Jacobs and and the reason why I have him this low or might avoid him in drafts is this guy has zero career receiving touchdowns so this guy is not somebody that's going to be catching the ball out of the backfield and taking it to the house uh it's not saying he doesn't catch any passes it's not what I'm saying at all but uh he's not known as a pass catching back he's not going to be the one that's taking the ball into the end zone receiving so I think that hurts his value a little bit especially when we're talking half point PPR um, and we're talking about a, an age in which a receiving back is so much more valuable than a normal running back. So I think that's why I have him so low, but I still really like Josh Jacobs. Um, but I think he is very similar in talent to the next guy on the list because it's another guy that, you know, he's good, um, doesn't always play as much as we want, does have some injury issues, and, you know, he's ranked right here with Josh Jacobs, and that's Antonio Gibson, uh, our 22nd running back. Now, last year he was frustrating because when he was on the field, he was performing well, but Washington just didn't seem to want to play him. Like, he would have 10 carries, and those would be 10 really good carries, and then he would get two more carries the entire rest of the game, and you're like, just just give him touches. Like, Or one week he'd give you 20 fantasy points, and you're like, all right, finally, they know he's going to give you points, they're going to play him. And then next week he'd give you two because he was the number two running back the whole game. Uh, I feel like Washington's system is a big hit on Antonio Gibson, but um, if we're just talking rankings, I have him ranked at 22nd, Cody at 23rd. George, you have him at 21st. You're the highest on him out of the three of us. So what's your thoughts? I mean, not much different than you. It is kind of right there, one pick off. But this guy, I I put him a little higher probably because I think there is the upside of if they do use him, he is a very talented back. He has the ability to put up the consistent 15 points a game, I think. We just haven't seen if he can hold that up for a full season. I just hope he gets more consistent carries. Washington is they their offense is a question mark too. We hope that they're better with with Carson Wentz, but we're not sure yet either. So 
question marks. 21, he can make us all look dumb and finish as a top 12 running back if they give him enough carries. It's just not a guarantee. No, I'm for me, Antonio Gibson is like he was my guy last year. Like I wanted Antonio Gibson in any league that I could. And of course it hurt how well that he underperformed last year. But I still think he's a very talented running back. Um Carson Wentz is the quarterback for now. We'll see how much he uses the running back as a pass option compared to a guy like Taylor Heineke, who did like to uh, compare his game to, or said he role modeled his game after, uh, you know, Brett Favre, who was the gunslinger down the field throwing. Carson Wentz comes from a background of throwing to the running backs and tight ends. So maybe we'll see a little bit, you know, uptick in receptions. But speaking of receptions, I did want to circle back to Josh Jacobs real quick. If I told you last year that he finished fifth among running backs in receptions, I think you wouldn't believe me, but that is exactly what happened. So I think Josh Jacobs is the Jacoby Myers of running backs. That's my comparison now, and I will never unsee it. Uh, that's my end of my discussion on Josh Jacobs. But I do like the comparison, again, with Antonio Gibson's. Another team that, you know, you don't know what to expect out of them. You know, they did get Jahan Dotson. They still have Terry McLaurin. Uh, so, but it's not a high-powered offense. We're not expecting a ton of points from them. We're middle of the tier. Uh, so I think while we still have Antonio Gibson as an RB2 on our list, he is rightfully ranked near the bottom of RB2 status. Yeah, and you mentioned Carson Wentz. Take it with a grain of salt. I mean, laugh at this if you want, but Miles Sanders did have his best season of his career with Carson Wentz, and Jonathan Taylor did have the best season of his career with Carson Wentz. Granted, Taylor hasn't been in the league that long, but uh, we have seen... Neither Sanders, though. We have seen successful running backs with Carson Wentz. I mean, he does know how to get the running backs going. I mean, maybe it's because Carson needs the running back to go or he's just going to throw a pick to lose the game. Maybe, but uh, we have seen successful running backs with Carson Wentz. So there is potential of Antonio Gibson stepping forward if Washington so allows it. Um, But I think that's enough on Gibson. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one. This is a very interesting pick. I mean, look, we're not very different on picks. Me and George have him at 23. Cody has him at 21, but it's a rookie in a system that had a really good rookie last year. So, you know, I'm going to let Cody take this one because he is our, you know, college football expert, our rookie expert. So I'm going to let you take this one. What's your expectations on Brees Hall with the Jets? Yeah, I mean, as someone who is like pounding the table for the Bills to take Brees Hall because I thought he would make a ton of sense. It was because of the opening. I didn't see the Jets taking him with Michael Carter. Uh, but that doesn't discredit anything about Brees Hall's game. He is a three-down running back. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. And I think he will pass Michael Carter pretty quickly on the depth chart. He will be, you know, I'm not saying Michael Carter will be completely phased out, but Brees will be, you know, the lead guy in the committee system. And we're all talking committee backs at this point. Um, and I think it will be a safety blanket for for Zach Wilson. And then there was also the report that came out after the draft that, you know, the Jets had three first round picks and they were trying to trade back into the first round to get Brees Hall as their fourth first round pick, even though they had, they, and then they end up taking it like, I think pick 35. So right there at the top of the, the second round, uh, 35, 36, like that. So a guy, they seem to really like really value. And, you know, he comes from the Shanahan system and we've seen that system produce a lot of, you know, top end running backs. And we saw a rookie running back do it in San Francisco last year. I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, another running back in that same system, a rookie come in and, you know, might even end up being an RB1 at the end of the day. He's a rookie. That's why I have him all the way down in the 20s because we don't know. Uh, But if he finished as a top 12 
running back this season would not be surprised at all. Oh yeah. This is probably the lowest that we've had the number one rookie running back in a draft go in a long time. Like Najee Harris was somewhere up in the teens last year and Clyde Edwards Alaire was a first round pick when he was a rookie. And then Brees Hall's all the way down here. A lot of it probably has to do with the fact that Jets weren't a great team last year. Michael Carter was a savior for a lot of people last year. And then here's Brees Hall coming in, who I think he is the more talented back. He has to be at least shown this respect because of his talent. It's just the unknowns of what the split's going to be like. High upside. Maybe don't take him if you're like relying on him as an RB2 and if you're going no running back. But if you're taking him as your third or fourth running back, this could be a steal and a great spot. Yeah, I will say just tamper your expectations. A lot of rookie running backs do not live up to their high expectations. Uh, They do eventually. I'm not saying Najee Harris was a bust last year. Like Cody was talking about his points and everything. He still was a good pick. Clyde Edwards-Alaire definitely did not live up to where we expected him. But a lot of first round or top rookie running backs don't live up to the expectations you're thinking they're going to have in their rookie season. A lot of them take a little bit to develop. Maybe don't get the usage you were quite expecting just because they might be the best running back in that system. Doesn't mean they're going to be the most used running back or used really heavily early on. It might take time to develop them, get them used to the system. So not saying don't take Brees Hall, but tamper your expectations on the rookie running backs just a little bit. uh, So you're not getting disappointed or getting burned by drafting them too high. Um, Moving on to our next guy, we got the 24th ranked running back. We got a San Francisco running back, which is always a nightmare. Uh, They're going to have about 11 running backs that are going to be startable this season, most likely, because they always do. But this one we're talking about is Elijah Mitchell, the young guy. Um, Cody and I have him at 25. George, over there at 22. What do you got on Elijah Mitchell? San Francisco does such a great job of – making me hate their running back system. And then they slowly win me back and then they hurt me again. So I'm ready to be hurt again because Elijah Mitchell was the hot hand all of last year. They are a hot hand system. I just hope he stays healthy to not give somebody else a shot to get that hot hand because he was actually fairly effective. Um, The only reason he wasn't even better last year is because they decided to use Debo Samuel at running back and he doesn't want to do that. So especially if Debo Samuel's not taking those carries, Give a couple extra bonus carries to Elijah Mitchell, who could potentially be an RB1 in average if he gets the opportunity. He's this far down because of San Francisco being an absolute mess at running back. Yeah, that's exactly why. Like if if Trey Sermon is the leading running back for the San Francisco 49ers next year, would not be surprised at all. (laughs) If the rookie Tyrion Davis Prince is the leading running back, Would not be surprised at all. Elijah Mitchell, in points per game, he finished top 10 last year. He should be a lot higher, but I can't trust that running back system. He might be another steal of the draft, just like he was the waiver wire gem of last season. He might get overdrafted in some leagues. He might get underdrafted in some leagues. And I think it's more on the system and not knowing there's no commitment from Kyle Shanahan, especially at this time of the season, that he is the guy. And until we see it, I mean, you won't, you're not going to, It'll, it'll be too hard to judge at that point because, like I mentioned, there's other guys on that team that are quality running backs that they drafted higher that they might just be like, hey, we're going to turn it to Trey Sermon now. Hey, we're going to turn it to the third-round rookie we took this year. Tough tough backfield to judge there in San Francisco. Yeah, man, the cashier from Dairy Queen is going to get cut from the Eagles, and 
Uh, he's going to end up getting signed by the 49ers and become their leading rush for the rest of the season. I'm telling you, uh, it's just weird running backs just going around. But I think that's enough on Elijah Mitchell. And I don't like talking about San Francisco running backs more than I have to. So, you know, here's a very interesting one. We have Corderell Patterson. Uh, guys, I thought we weren't doing wide receiver rankings yet. Oh, wait, no, he's a running back now. Um, definitely interesting. He decided to be a running back now. <laughs> I don't know. So we got, <laughs> I have him at 24, George at 28, Cody at 26. Um, I definitely want to hear what uh, both of you guys have to say on this. But I'm very interested at that 28 because Corderell Patterson was like your guy last year, George. Yeah, I'm honestly shocked that I'm higher on Corderell <laughs> Patterson than George. Like I'm, like I'm debating if I did my rankings right at all. Like I'm not sure what's happening. Is this a typo? <laughs> um, no, it is not a typo. So I guess first off. Their backup running back is Damian Williams. I'm a Damian Williams guy. Second you were a Mike off, Davis guy. Really, I was a Mike Davis guy. Maybe I'll be wrong again. I'll probably be wrong again. Here we are. No. <laughs> um, but Cordero Patterson should be the main guy. But we, this dude is 33. He's done it exactly one time in his career, and it was last year. And he sputtered down the stretch because they used him too much. He's going to have good weeks. But I'm skeptical, obviously. And I don't know what else you want me to say. I think 28 is a good spot because how many question marks can you ask for out of a 33 year old running back wide receiver who's done it one time? I'm just saying 2022 George is not the same as 2021 George. Something's happening. 21, 2021 year, George, me, like I think. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Cordero Patterson. That's what his rankings would have been coming out of the season last year. <laughs> um, but to your point, though, you know, you have 20, I'm, I'm at 26. Like we're, we're like, you know, finding, I don't even know what the word I'm trying to say is, but it's very narrow rankings. And, you know, like I mentioned, we're now in the flex category at 25. You know, you take your one through 12 are your RB ones, 13 through 24, your RB twos. After that is in your flex bench spots. And that's where we're at with Cordero Patterson. So I do like the fit here in this general area. I don't think he's a guy you rely on a week to week basis. There might be some matchups guessing those matchups with the Falcons is going to be tough but he'll be a guy that you could start in some buy spots. You can start some weeks, but I, I do agree with George sediment that I don't think he'll be a reliable week to week starter. Yeah. I mean, I hear that, um, but we need to look at what the team is. It's the Atlanta Falcons. You got Marcus Mariota as the starting quarterback. Once again, most likely, hopefully. And, you know, this dude is going to do everything he can to not end his career. Uh, on his possibly last chance to start. Um, or you're talking about a rookie quarterback stepping in and taking over. And, you know, struggling quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks both like checkdowns. They both like safety nets. Now, Kyle Pitts is going to be a great safety net. He's going to be a great checkdown. Uh, Kyle Pitts is probably going to be double covered on every play because he is their best player on the field. So your other safety net check down is going to be Corderell Patterson. You're talking about a wide receiver playing running back. Uh, I think he's going to catch a lot of check down passes. And if we're talking half point PPR, if he catches six check downs, that's three points right there. And then you're adding any yards he gets with it and the inevitable touchdown here and there. Uh, I'm not saying this guy's going to be an end all be all break the bank league winner, like not any of that. Um, but this guy has so much potential for points because he is that receiving threat 
um, possibly the number two receiver uh, for Atlanta, depending on what's going on with, uh, honestly, their entire receiver situation. So um, I, I think that's why I have him at 24. I don't hate him as a flex at all or a number three running back, however you want to look at it. So Cordero Patterson, take the guy who can catch passes. Hey, it's understandable. Not a bad flex option. Another probably not a bad flex option is who we have at 26, the Miami's running back, which one you're probably asking. And we have Chase Edmonds because of who they gave him the contract money. I know they've added Raheem Mostert. They've added Sony Michelle. Like this running back room committee might be worse than San Francisco. Ironically, their new head coach is from San Francisco. So it's going to be frustrating. Um, Chase Edmond, though, I've always liked him. He is a you know local kid compared to us. And then for our general region, so I think there's been some support there. They've gave him the money. This team is loaded besides the quarterback, so they should be putting up points, hopefully. Uh, so another good value as a flex option uh, for Chase Edmonds. Yeah, Chase Edmonds isn't a bad flex option, and neither is the next guy on our list. I mean, we're talking about number 27 now, Damian Harris for New England. Uh, now last year, everyone was like, oh, the rookie Ramondre Stevenson, that's going to be the guy he's going to steal this job. Damian Harris, isn't that good. Stevenson's going to take it. Stevenson got some carries, but Damian Harris kept the job. Uh, he proved himself enough to keep the job. Uh, he's also on a team where, you know, Mac Jones was winning games where he completed like three passes. Like it's, it's nuts. So it's still a run first team. Um, I think you're going to get a lot of carries from Stevenson and Damian Harris, but, uh, Harris is again, not a sexy option. I've said it before with running backs. He's not going to be that guy that you're like, Oh yeah, I'm starting Damian Harris this week. You're never going to be excited to play him, but he's going to get you points. He's going to get you touches. Um, so I think he's a solid flex option here as our 27th running back. Yeah. I just think it's worth noting that this is where we start getting closer rank between like where he's at and his backups at, because we're not going to talk about him. It's too low, but Ramondre Stevenson's at 38 in our rankings. So there, you see where that gap starts to close, where you start to see these guys are getting closer in carries, or maybe Harris doesn't have a fully secure job there, and Stevenson does still have the chance to come on, but Harris was actually a lot more effective than a lot of people gave him credit for last year. New England's going to be a run-first team because Mac Jones just doesn't have the weapons around him or isn't at the point in his career where he can win a game by himself. So there's going to be some value in the running back room, and Harris is the safest pick of that group. Definitely, George. And I think you just made a very in interesting point on how we're at that point, the flex position, some of these, you know, committee running backs, we're going back and forth on their, their counterpart is ranked very closely. And our next guy who is number 28 on our board, Travis ETN, you actually have ranked lower than his quote unquote backup than both Tyler and I do. Um, so comparing him to James Robinson, who is outside of our top 30. Uh, but so Travis ETN, since you're so low on him, I'm at 24, Tyler has him at 26, you're all the way down at 36. I assume that has something to do with James Robinson, but you got to tell us, why is that? So I guess I'm seeing more of a 50-50 split than you guys are between James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Now I get it, there's going to be some upside with the catching the ball at Etienne, because I think if he has a role in that offense, it's going to be more of that Quarterell Patterson role than it is that traditional running back role. So maybe I'm not giving him enough credit in PPR value when I have him down at 36, but I think James Robinson's got to be the guy that they lean on as the bell cow back. 
They have a new coach. I've seen a lot of Doug Peterson. He likes to pound the ball with multiple running backs, but I think he's going to use the big body running back more in his system in a James Robinson, who we've seen a lot of upside out of in this career so far, more than ETN. And ETN is going to be a little bit more of a gadget guy in a specific role, not as much of a well-rounded running back as the 24 and 26 rankings that you guys have him at would say. No, I hear you. And it was pretty interesting. He uh, obviously were there during OTAs. He came out and said he wants to be used like Debo was last year. And I think he would fit that role pretty well. He's not as uh, mm-hmm. bulky, but he can play a little bit receiver, play some running back. So that might fit some of the gadgetness of him. But I do think, you know, I like Travis Etienne over James Robinson, one in half point PPR formats. I think it'd be a better pass catcher. Two, he was a first round pick last year before he got injured. And you'll say it's a new head coach, but it is still the same GM. So, they like him in the building. I think he's going to get on the field. And we saw it last year when we thought he was going to be healthy. ETN seemed to be the guy. James Robinson was, you know, way down there. And then all of a sudden he became like the steal of the draft because of where he was being ranked and when they entered during draft season. So things can definitely change. Um, but another guy that is in the backfield or in a backfield mix, obviously we, there's a clear number one in this option, but we have next on number 29 of our list is Kareem Hunt. We talked about him a little bit last week when we were debating Nick Chubb. Uh, but guys, what are your thoughts on Kareem Hunt? I mean, Kareem Hunt is a backup. Uh, he is a number two running back. He might even be cut from the Browns. Um, now, that begs some questions. So if he did get cut from the Browns, where would he go? How valuable would he be on another team? You know, he goes to a team uh, like the Eagles where they have 17 running backs and they're going to use all of them. He's still not going to have any value. He goes to, uh, let's say, you know, I I'm not going to wish this on myself, but let's say the Titans have Derrick Henry go down again. He goes to a team like the Titans, uh, who don't have a backup running back option and slots in as the number one. Suddenly cream hunts a steal. You have to have him. I think he's a big question mark. Uh, but let's, Right now, we don't know if he's going from the Browns or not. I mean, keep following our rankings. Keep following the news. We will update you on anything we hear. Uh, but right now, he is still on the Browns, and he is still number two. But he does catch a lot of passes. Uh, Nick Chubb is the number one running back for the Browns. He is going to get the bulk of the carries. Uh, but in those pass-catching situations, Kareem Hunt is going to slot in. Now, if we're going to demote Nick Chubb a little bit, I mean, I didn't, but you guys did a little bit. If we're going to demote Nick Chubb a little bit because of the fact that you know, we don't know what's going on with the quarterback situation. How long's Watson going to be out? If he's out, uh, what's going on with Baker? Is Jacoby Brissett going to be the starter? If we're going to demote him for that, then we have to demote Kareem Hunt as well. Kareem Hunt has always been a mid-level uh, running back. Um, we've even seen teams play both Chubb and Hunt at the same time. I hate it, but it works. Uh, I, I think we have to demote Hunt here because of the quarterback situation. Uh, you have the is he going to get cut situation? There's so many question marks on this guy. Yes, he has big potential. Yes, he's a good pass catcher. But unless I know what's going on with him, he's a guy that I'm going to try to shy away from as compared to a guy like Travis Etienne. Yeah, we're going to know a lot more about Kareem Hunt than the dart throws that we're putting out right now in our early rankings by the time we are drafting. But saying say everything stays the same. He stays on Cleveland. Um, he was always a decent flex play. He's a little frustrating, like you said, because he does split with Nick Chubb. He does not get the bulk of the carries, but he gets enough touchdowns. He plays enough drives because they tend to go by drive there in Cleveland. 
that he's always put up enough points to be like, okay, he can salvage me a good game on a buy. If I'm really flexed desperate, he can put up about 10 a week. So I see that not changing a ton in this situation, but yeah, a lot of question marks with him. Yeah. Don't forget though. Kareem Hunt, even in his eight games last year, he still did average over 12 points a game. So definitely a viable flex option. And then there is the trade possibility. If he would go to a team like the Buffalo bills, that would be, you know, he would jump up the rankings. There is some teams that he wouldn't go on to, but let's talk about the last guy on our list for this show. Again, you can check out all t- top 60 running backs on the couch but number 30, AJ Dillon, the second, the number two or 1.5. However you want to look at it in green Bay. I have him at 29. Snyder has him at 30 and George has him at 30. So we're all about on the same page here. The only thing I'm going to say about AJ Dillon is I told you last year, if he's in round 10, take AJ Dillon. If AJ Dillon is in round 10, take AJ a Dillon, but he's probably not going to be in round 10 this year. Yeah. So AJ Dillon, I mean, we could talk about him, but I mean, around all of these running backs have about the same amount of question marks, same amount of upside. It's really on preference. So instead I'm going to ask both you guys a question Um, And this is mostly just for um, especially our newer fantasy football players out there that are listening. But I mean, also for the veterans, how important to you is a handcuff and what is a handcuff? I can start it here because even though AJ Dillon is a number two running back, I don't know if I view him as much of as a handcuff as some other situations. So just to preface it, a handcuff is when you are grabbing the backup of one of your top running backs uh, so that there is an injury to him. You still have the starting running back in that system. The reason I don't see him as much as as much of a handcuff is I normally try to handcuff maybe my the top five or six running backs max. Um, And also he still has value on a normal week as opposed to some of their traditional handcuffs like an Alexander Madison who he's going to get two points when Dalvin Cook's playing. But when Dalvin Cook's out, the dude can ball for 20, like easy. So I don't think we're far enough down in the rankings for me to talk the word handcuff, but I see where you're coming from. And I would rather not pair those two on a team um, because I'm just hoping that I can get value out of AJ Dillon, even if I don't have Aaron Jones and if Aaron Jones is still in the lineup. Yeah, and then just that there's any clarification out there for those new listeners, a handcuff um, is when you take the backup. George did cover it, but just wanted to clarify one more time. It's when you take the backup for someone. But realistically, like outside of the top three, and I don't even really like taking a handcuff unless it's Alexander Mattinson for Dalvin Cook. Other than that, give me the extra ro- the roster spot throughout the season. and I'll So fight- you can take another wide receiver? Another wide receiver, fight for, <laughs> and I'll fight for the guy on the waivers. Or I'll spend my fab if I'm in a fab system. So uh, handcuffs to me aren't that important. Uh, but that did wrap up our top 30. Again, you can check out all 60 on the Couch GMs. But before we go, there's two teams that are sticking out to me that we didn't even talk about their RB1 in our top 30. So I'm going to hit them quick um, and just get your thoughts almost like a rapid fire. One is the Buffalo Bills because we've been talking about them a little bit. Uh, Devin Singletary is 36 on our list and James Cook is 39. So they're coming around the corner soon. And then the Houston Texans, uh, whether that's Rex Burkhead, whether that's Marlon Mack, whether that's uh, Damian Pierce, there's some options there. And some of those guys might end up being a top running back, but I guess they're just so low on our list because we have no idea 
of where they're going to be or where they're ranked. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on those two teams. Well, Cody, I will say there is another team that we did not hit, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, not mentioned. Ronald Jones, not mentioned. That is another team that, again, no running back one uh, was ever said. Man, you guys named three teams, and it's still not the team I was going to say. The Seattle Seahawks are also have people coming up on our list here. 32 is Kenneth Walker, and... 34 is Rashad Penny. Like there's a lot of guys who, if you pick the correct starter, if they end up getting enough carries to be fantasy relevant, there's a value to be found in these 31 to 45 ish range running backs. And I'm sure we'll talk more about late round steals as we get closer to the season, more into draft season done with our early rankings. But just because we only talked about one to 30, it does not mean that that's where that ends. This is almost where teams win drafts. Like we talked about last year, how much James Robinson was a crazy value because of some luck. Even you don't even need luck sometimes when it's talking about who's going to start Kenneth Walker, or Rashad Penny, take your dart throw. If you pick the right one, congratulations. You have a starting running back. Great point, George. Um, and like we mentioned, this is only 30. If you're in a 12 team league, each person needs at least three running backs. That's 36 running backs right there. So there's a lot of players left on the board, a lot of the part of the draft season. And that's why our rankings go a lot longer on the couch jams. But we'll be back next week with some starting our wide receiver groups. Uh, but as always, thanks for checking out another episode. And guys, which running back was ranked too low? Which running back was ranked too high? Uh, which running back did we not even mention that's going to be the steal of the draft? Uh, why is George a complete idiot for some of his rankings? Let us know. That's the kind of things we want to hear. Uh, this podcast is so much more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved, guys. Yes, it is, Tyler. And thank you all one more time for tuning in to the Couch GM's podcast. For Tyler Snyder and Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kirk, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.